Hi, and welcome to Bake Sale, the show featuring conversations with Kickstarter and other crowdfunding creators about their kid-friendly projects. I'm talking today with Laura Doherty. She's a kids musician from Chicago, and she is using Kickstarter to help raise the funds for her third album of kids music, In a Heartbeat. I really enjoyed her first two albums. They're great for... uh, preschoolers especially, so if you've got four- and five-year-olds around the house, they're just really sweet folk pop tunes, and so when I saw that she was raising money for her third album, I thought she would be perfect for this show. So, Laura, welcome to the show. Thanks, Stefan. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. So, uh, a little, um, I guess, background for listeners. Um, How did you you get into kids' music? Uh, well, I, uh, started working at the Old Town School of Folk Music in Chicago back in 1998, and at that point I was, um, doing music just more as a hobby. I was, uh, uh, I was writing some song, doing, I was doing the singer-songwriter thing, um, for fun, and, uh, once I discovered the Old Town School, I thought this is a place... I'd love to work. (laughs) So I ended up, um, I did a lot of volunteer work over there and then I ended up landing a job in their kids department and, um, started teaching wiggle worms, which is their early childhood program. I'm curious, how do they, uh, because I, you know, I was talking last week with little Miss Ann about her project and she has also uh worked at the old town school and i know and I, you and i both know i believe a uh, chuck cheeseman who used yes. to work there and uh lived here in arizona for a while and now is out in portland oregon what do they what do the folks at and 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 i know that <laughs> you you have a lot a lot of experience with the wiggle worms program what do what do they look like what do they look for when they are trying to find teachers for that program yeah. Yeah, uh, well, yeah. Because I I was the director of the program for about ten years, so I did I did all the hiring um, during between like ninety eight and two thousand nine. Um, yeah, I mean, what I always looked for was, um, uh, you know, peop- it's it's funny because it's hard to find someone coming through the door that has the exact experience experience of working with one and two year olds <laughs> didn't find that that often. <laughs> um, so, you know, if people had an education degree, that was a bonus. Um, you, you didn't necessarily have to have a music degree. If you did, it, it helped. Um, but I look for people that were really animated. Um, even theater background, people with theater background were always a really good fit for wiggle arms. Um, and, you know, and people the people had to go through an audition process, and I could kind of tell right off the bat when they come in if they're going to be good with with kids. So it's a, it's a very unique type of job, um, but there's just there's some wonderful teachers in the program. You know, and it's a it's it's not a revolving door job. It's a job people stay at for years. Yeah, and I, and I will just uh, note for listeners. Uh, there are, I believe, two albums that the Wiggle Worms program uh, has released, and, and they're both excellent. I, I highly recommend 
both of them, especially if I had to choose, I would I would pick the first one, but but uh, which I think is just titled "Songs for Wiggle Worms." But he, but the yeah. second one, "Wiggle Worms uh, Love You," uh, also very good. So just as a digress, yeah. digressive shout out, those are those are two really good uh, early childhood albums of songs. Yeah, well, yeah, and actually, that's that's how I kind of got into recording my own kids' music is I was working on um, Wiggle Worms Love You with Old Town School. I co-produced that one, and that's where I met um, the producer there, Rich Rankin. He owns a studio here in Chicago, um, and we had so much fun working on that record together, and that's when I, it kind of dawned on me, you know, maybe I should try writing some of my own children's <laughs> songs. <laughs> I've been working with kids for for several years um, before I started writing for kids. So, um, yeah, my first song actually came from, uh, I wrote it while I was riding the train, the L train downtown. Mm -hmm. And I had a gig and I was running a little late for it. We were doing these shows in Millennium Park down by the lakefront. And I had all this nervous energy because I was you know, running a few minutes late <laughs> and I started singing this little song about the L train. And I, I thought, Oh, this might turn into a song. So I got home and really worked on it and wrote down the lyrics. So that that's how my first children's song was born. <laughs> wow. Being on your way to a gig. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so has that, has that process become easier for you, uh, learning how to, um, craft a song? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't written any other songs on trains, so, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, what's really helpful is I, I spend, I, I, I spend half my time in the performing world and then half my time teaching. So I teach in preschools and also I continue to teach wiggle worms. So it's, it's really nice that I'm, I see kids every week and, you know, sometimes they give me ideas for songs, um, and I can, uh, when I have a new song, I can test it out and play it for them and, and, and kind of mold the song. You know, sometimes it'll start out as one thing, and then, you know, as soon as you present it to a class, you know, all of a sudden you'll see what works and, and see, you know, yeah, you can change it a little bit and make it more fun for the kids. Um, yeah, but I, songwriting doesn't, doesn't come easy to me. Um, it's the, the songs, this, this new record I have coming out, these songs are written over the course of at least two years. So some of them are songs I've been singing for, for I have a song called Domingo the Flamingo that it almost feels like it's been recorded. I've been singing it for two years now, but it's going to be on the new record. Um, yeah, and then actually I was living in New York last year for about seven months, and I, and I did some songwriting there too. So, yeah. Do you, is there a particular age range that you enjoy performing more than, than others or are they all enjoyable, but in slightly different ways? Um, yeah, I mean, I would say my sweet spot or the, the, the age group that I love and feel more, most comfortable with is six and under. Um, but I find, I play at a lot of libraries, you know, and I, I find that there's always older siblings that come, you know, mm -hmm. eight, nine, ten-year-olds. Um, and, you know, when I write, I, I, I really kind of, I'm sort of thinking about a two, three, four, five-year-old. Because <laughs> um, that's the kids that I mostly 
see in the classroom, you know, I mean, wiggle worms actually starts at age six months. So I, I see a lot of uh, one and two year olds during the week. Um, but so I'm always pleasantly surprised when um, like I played at a at an elementary school a couple of years back and there was a whole group of fourth graders that knew every word to my songs. And I thought, oh, wow. OK, wow. <laughs> And 10 year olds and they were making up dances to the songs <laughs> so that made me really happy um <clears throat> when you know when a little bit older kids like my stuff and i think this new record maybe skews a, a tiny bit older um there's some uh there's some more a little bit more introspective songs on this one um it's called it's called in a heartbeat and there's a title track on there called in a heartbeat um, and I have a song about, uh, being shy. It's called, it's okay to be shy. Um, cause I was, I was really shy when I was a little kid. So, and I, I, I always hear, I hear parents say that a lot. Oh, my son or daughter is so shy. And I just thought, you know, let me write a song for those kids. <laughs> cause I, I, ne I, I never thought it was a good thing to be shy when I was a kid. I just thought, oh, okay, this is what I'm branded with. <laughs> right. And it wasn't until I was an adult that somebody came up to me once at a place that I worked and said, oh, you know, you're really shy. And I said, yeah, you know, I've heard that my whole life. And she said, I think that's a good thing. And that was the first time someone had ever said that to me. <laughs> so I started to embrace it. Yeah, it's okay to be shy, you know. Um, I mean, I think I've mostly grown out of my shyness now, but... <laughs> Yeah. It takes a while sometimes. Yeah, you know, I, I, and maybe you've read the book. Have you read the book Quiet by Susan Cain? I haven't, so I'm going to write that down. And and that is, she is a shy person, but uh, she's written this whole book using a well-researched book, which argues uh -huh. that uh, American society especially tends to value extroversion over introversion, and that's... Right not always necessarily a good thing and so mm -hmm. that there are there are positive traits associated with uh, shyness and introversion that um, because the culture tends to uh, prize self-expression <laughs> over uh, right. pe people who are not that that uh, tends to um, skew some decisions in certain ways yeah well especially in the wiggle worms classes I get a lot of kids coming in that they don't make a peep for several weeks and and I always I always tell the parent you know oh your child he's observing everything that's around him and you know it's, it's, a lot of times it's a new situation where they've never even been around other kids you know if, especially if it's a you know an 11 month old right right yeah <laughs> so, and I think they're take you know some kids you know, our social butterflies and, and some kids are more, um, uh, yeah, observing, observing what's around them. And then when they, parents always tell me they get in the car and all of a sudden their kid starts babbling and singing. And, and so, yeah, so I think it's interesting, you know, different personalities for different kids. <laughs> it's a good book. It's, it's a quick read. So, okay, I'll check it out. So uh, a little bit more than uh, talk. Let's talk a little bit more about the process of recording uh, in in the the updates you've you've sent out to uh, to folks through the Kickstarter campaign. And I should mention, as always, uh, you can find I'll have a link to the campaign itself uh, for the 
show notes for this podcast, but you can also just go to Kickstarter and search on Laura Doherty and it'll, you'll be able to find that easily there. But uh, you've brought in a, a bunch of uh, folks to help you out with the album. Um, so why don't you talk a little bit about who you've corralled into helping you out? Yeah. Uh, you mean as far as who's recorded? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Musicians. Um, yeah, sure. Um, well, yeah. One exciting guest I've had come on is the drummer from Wilco, uh, Glenn Kochi. So that was a total thrill to have him come in. He's, he's right here in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, and I met him actually at the old town school. He, he brought his, his kids, his kids came to my class, my wiggle worms class. So that's how I met him and his wife and his kids. And, um, and yeah, I asked him if he wanted to play on a track and he was, um, he, he said yes and came in. And so he's going to be playing on a track called drum kit, <laughs> um, which is things about all the different parts of the drum kit. Um, so yeah, I was really thrilled to have him come in. It was really fun. Um, and then there's a, a banjo player from a local band here called the Hen House Prowlers, a, a really fun uh, bluegrass band. Um, and then uh, a lot of my regular guys that play with me, um, uh, Rob Newhouse on lead guitar, he's a great Chicago player, um, Michael Riando on drums, and my friend Andy Wilkins on bass. Um, and my friend Kat Tager, uh, who I've been singing with for years, we, we were in a, a folk rock band called Sweet Hello, and we put out two records, adult grown-up records. <laughs> um, and then I asked a bunch of Wiggle Worms teachers to come in as well, and that was fun. We did kind of like a gang vocals or crowd vocal <laughs> thing on a few songs. Uh, let's see, I hope I'm not missing anybody. And then... Um, and my producer, Rich, he's wonderful. He also adds his little touches to the record. He plays mandolin and ukulele. And um, so we're, we're, we work really well together. And, um, yeah, so a lot of, a lot of Chicago folks. Yeah. I, and I know you weren't in New York City for, for a long time, but I'm wondering, uh, my sense is that the Chicago area music scene <clears> – <throat> is fairly tight knit or very supportive and I don't and not maybe just the sort of the kids scene but the music scene generally um that's my perception from yeah. from a distance would you agree or disagree or no totally I agree totally um I mean Old Town School of Folk Music itself is is such a great community um I mean it's a huge school there's 6,000 students that go there, over 200 teachers, but we're also, it's also very close. It's like a family there. Um, and yeah, that's where I've met most of, most of the people that I had just mentioned that play on the record. Um, and yeah, I've always said Chicago is just a great music town. Um, I mean, there's, you can see any kind of music any night of the week here and everybody's supportive of each other. Um, you know, I mean, New York has a great, community too i was actually living just outside new york city um in westchester county where i mm -hmm. grew up which was um which was great it was a fun adventure and i had always wanted to um spend some time back where i grew up and i actually worked at two great preschools out there um 
but it, it was it was tough to kind of start my career over <laughs> out there. So um, I decided to move back. To, you know, I miss Chicago, so I actually I decided to move back here, um, and I think this is I'm on the right path. <laughs> um, Chicago yeah. Chicago's a great city. You know, just sort of having visited and um... yeah, I mean, I I have love for for both New York and Chicago. So I sort of have split split love for both of those cities <laughs> and um you know and actually through the kindy community um you know i made some great friends at, at kindy fest and um and those were people that were that were very supportive when i was out there and we played some gigs together and so so yeah but i even though i grew up in new york i i feel like chicago is really now my home <laughs> and it took me to, to go out there to figure that out. So sometimes you need to take those journeys in life. Um, but I, yeah, I, I, I'll always have big love for New York. I always go back and visit a couple times a year. Um, and it afforded me the opportunity to, to play some shows out there in Philly and Boston and places that I had always wanted to drive to and not always have to get on an airplane. <laughs> <laughs> so it was a good adventure. Um, but I'm happy to be back in Chicago. Cool. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the the campaign itself. And you know, listeners, if, if you're in a, I mean, the, the rewards that you're offering, a lot of them, you know, are fairly standard for a music project. So, you, you know, you can, you can get the, you can get songs or entire CD or album or multiple out al- the, the back albums the back catalog, as it were, of of Laura. Uh, one of the, the things I did want to talk just a little bit about were, um, and this is, you can see the reference to this in the video, and you, you talked a little bit about this earlier here, but um, for $55, you get the CD, the new CD, plus a full set of four nifty collector buttons, including Jazzosaurus, Domingo the Flamingo, and I guess a couple others. And are those uh, animals uh, inspired by by songs? Yeah, uh, they are. Um, Yeah, Jazzosaurus is a baby dinosaur. uh, Well, he's a puppet, um, but you know, to the kids, he's real. <laughs> um, and he, he comes out at most of my shows and in the classroom and the kids just go nuts over this, this jazz, this jazzosaurus puppet. And now, so I, so I ended up writing a whole song about him. I thought he deserved his own song <laughs> and he plays a little tiny saxophone, which really just came from, I was, at the studio and my producer had this little plastic tiny saxophone and I said oh that's so cute I think Jazzosaurus would like to play that <laughs> <laughs> so and it was like a little you know little prop that he got and uh and so and so that ended up being in the song so it's just interesting how like things organically can end up in songs um and then Domingo the Flamingo um is a he's a pink flamingo he's actually a beanie baby my mom used to collect Beanie Babies back when they were hip to collect. Right. What? They're <laughs> and, not? Uh-oh. <laughs> or maybe they still are. But so, and then my parents live in Florida. And so she had this flamingo and, and she said, oh, you know, you can borrow any of these Beanie Babies you like. So I, I, took, to me, I took him and I wrote a song about him. Um, 
And I actually tend to write a lot of songs down in Florida because it's it's just me, me down there. It's not a lot of distractions. It's very quiet. And so Domingo, the Flamingo, uh, is there, there's a whole song about all the days of the week and his favorite day is Sunday. Because in Spanish, Domingo is Sunday. <laughs> and uh, and actually, then there's I wrote one about um, a song called Wooly Bear, which I wrote when I was out in New York um, about it's about those little fuzzy caterpillars. Oh yeah, um, yeah. Which I I don't I haven't seen those in the Midwest. They're they're black with a with black striped with a little orange stripe in the middle. Mm-hmm. And um, I used to see them when I was little, living in New York. And then I started to see them. They come out around this time of the year in the fall. And I was actually up visiting Dean Jones up by Woodstock area. Because we we were talking about maybe recording together, but then the timing didn't work for me because I was moving back to Chicago. <laughs> but anyway, we had a nice visit, and I was standing in his driveway, and I said, "Oh, there's that fuzzy caterpillar." You know, I keep seeing them, and he said it, it was exactly exactly a year ago that I was up there, and he said, "Oh, he goes, that's the woolly bear," <laughs> and I said, "That's such a funny little name for a." you know, caterpillar. <laughs> so there's going to be, I wrote a whole song about a, about a woolly bear having a funny name, but we love him just the same. <laughs> so yeah, all these animal characters are going to be on the record. I, I almost thought of calling the album, you know, all my animal friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, there's some other songs in there too. They're not animal songs, but um yeah, I, I don't know. Did I even answer your question? It, it did. It did. It just sort of seemed like uh, uh, Jazzosaurus and uh, Domingo the Flamingo had some backstory that I was just interested in hearing more about. So, yeah. and that I did. And they, I decided to put them on the cover because they're the, those two songs, especially Domingo the Flamingo, that has become a, a real favorite. That song's been around for a couple years now. So I thought, you know what? They're going to grace the cover of the CD. Cool. <laughs> and I had my. Um, a good friend of mine is just doing the, the graphic design. So, yeah. Cool. You know, I, I, I just had one more question, and this is more a little insider baseball, I suppose, than, yeah. um, and that is you uh, raised money for your last album, I believe, through Indiegogo, correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just curious as to what you see – the differences, uh, you know, good, bad, whatever, between yeah. the Indiegogo process and and the Kickstarter process for, for you as a as a creator. Right. Um, well, yeah. This time I decided to go with Kickstarter. Um, I I got the advice that there, there's more people use Kickstarter, so I thought, okay, let me try and let me try this out. Um, I mean, and I Indiegogo was great. I had. They they were wonderful to work with. Um, I mean, the, one of the differences is I was raising five thousand last time, and now I'm raising attempting to raise ten thousand. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, really, when it's all said and done, to make a quality record costs between ten and fifteen thousand when you factor in promoting the record. Right. <laughs> so I thought it's definitely a lofty goal, but I thought you know what, I'm going to go for it. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, I'm still. I'm in the, still in the middle of the campaign, so um, I have a week left. And, uh, yeah, I'm, you know, 
really hoping to get to the goal. Um, one thing about Kickstarter that's a little nerve wracking is that if you don't raise the money, if you don't rate, give it, if you don't meet your goal, you don't get any of the money. Whereas in Indiegogo, if you don't, if you don't meet your goal, you get a portion of the money. So we'll definitely a little bit more of a risk there. Um, and, uh, yeah, but I like, the, I like the format of Kickstarter. I like, um, it's very, you know, slick and the, uh, you know, easy to work with like the templates and stuff like that. So, so I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. Um, yeah. I, uh, I would I, say, oh my gosh, this is the last time I'm ever going to do this. <laughs> but you know, I, um, I, I have faith. I am confident. Um, I'm just reaching out to everybody I know and I, I'm, you know, I've raised thirty. I think I've raised thirty-six hundred so far. So I've got a little ways to go, but um, I'm just crossing my fingers. <laughs> yeah, and 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 I did. I saw some other campaign where they said recently, and maybe or maybe they were just quoting a Kickstarter campaign that something like eighty percent of projects that get past twenty percent funded uh, end up getting fully funded. So. Well, that 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 makes me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's cool. um, yeah, and I think, and I, I think people do, you know, kind of wait till the end, you know, which makes it harder. But I, last time when I did Indiegogo, I had a, a, some people like right when it ended, they said, "Oh, like, I can I still donate?" <laughs> so um, I think maybe that should be a strategy for me is to really just put those last couple days. You know, really tell people, okay, this is ending now. So, if you were thinking about it, now is the know. time. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like what they do on public radio, right? They, I should follow. They always have good speeches on public radio for for <laughs> donating. <laughs> so yeah, we'll um, we'll see how it all pans out, but uh, I'm I'm hopeful and uh, it's hoping that it's all gonna come together in a week. It ends October seventeenth, next Thursday. So. <laughs> Great. Great. So, Laura, if listeners want to find more out more about you, uh, besides going to the, the Kickstarter campaign itself, where are the best places for them to find you online? Yeah, uh, my website is lauradohertymusic.com. Um, and I, I kind of have an uncommon spelling of my last name, D-O-H-E-R-T-Y. Or mm-hmm. you can go to uh, my Facebook music page. Um, I'm also on Twitter. Uh, my handle is Laura Dora. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, those are the best places to find me. Great. Okay. Well, Laura, I really appreciate you taking the time today to talk with me about, uh, the campaign and your musical life in general. Um, best of luck on the campaign. Thank you so much, Seth, and thanks for having me. It's great talking to you. Sure. And listeners, as always, if you have any questions, please feel free to shoot me an email, zooglobal at earthlink.net. If you listen via iTunes, please rate and review the podcast. And thanks, as always, for listening. Bye.